0: We've been talking about peace, and as we are in the busiest season of the year, peace somewhat is uh, ironic because it's, um, it's something that we celebrate but seldomly have. You know, like this is not the time for peace, if we're being honest, right? Peace really comes in January when the stress leaves in December, you know? That's typically when peace comes about and and which is funny because the world has jumped in, and I love the commercials and things like that around December. Uh, they, Everyone starts to embrace this this tranquil, serene time, which we know is not really true when it comes to the world because the world longs to promise us peace while at the same time it tries to rob it from us. That's That's what it is, and that's typical of the world the world always does it it promises us something and then when we think we have what we need to go get what we are desiring then it robs it from us and so we want to dive further into this topic of peace this morning and so let's dream a little bit can we dream a little bit about what it would be like to have a stress-free fear-eliminating anxiety-free living peace don't y'all want that type of peace I don't know about you, but that's what I want. Hey, just real quick, everybody just raise your right hand. Just raise your right hand. Good deal. Okay, just want to make sure they're working this morning. Just a quick check. Just a quick check. I want you to think for a second, what would it be like? How great would it be if we laughed more now than we ever did? Wouldn't that be great? If we list the potentials in our relationships more than we did the problems, wouldn't that be great? If we were eager to rise every morning and suddenly desired to stay in bed, wouldn't that be great? Some of y'all know, that would never be great, Pastor Scott, ever. Uh, wouldn't it be great if you had the energy that would make you want to get up in the morning, right? And, and, and instead of saying, oh, it's Monday, it's Tuesday, it's Wednesday, Thursday, it's Friday, it's Saturday, it's Sunday. Oh, it's Monday, it's Tuesday. You know... Wouldn't it be great if we wanted to get up? If we magnified the positive and dismissed the negative, that would be great. That would be great. Wouldn't it be great if we saw more promise in situations than pitfalls? That would be great. If we assumed something good was going to happen instead of something bad, because we typically assume something bad. If we celebrated the good news and refused to dilute and downplay it with our version of reality. Hmm? That would be great. (laughs) I'm with you, Pastor Randy. Yep, that's true. And wouldn't it be great if it could never be said of you or me by people who know us really well that, well, they're just increasingly negative and critical about everything. Wouldn't that be great if we were not characterized in such a way? And I think that those things are very possible for us to have. Um, it starts with, I believe, with some peace in our life. When you and I don't have peace, the, the reverse of that list is true. Uh, we find ourselves in difficulties often, and with that, we find ourselves not being in a place where we um, practice Christianity Uh, where people can see and they think, how in the world can you call Jesus your greatest joy and not act that way? And so today, I want to deal with this aspect of how we are to maintain our coolness, our patience. Is it possible for us to live in such a way? I would tell you that it's possible and practical for us to, to have peace in our life. Here's what Paul says in Philippians 4, 4 through 8. This is the go-to. If you ever hear anyone uh, really teach on peace, they're going to have to touch Philippians chapter 4. And it says this, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, which is your gentleness, your temperance, your patience, be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. That means he's near. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, comprehension, imagination, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, and whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And so Paul gives us some, some practical practices of making peace possible in every situation. In every situation. Peace that keeps us calm when bills and exams and papers are due. I think that's about that time of the year right now, right? Y'all doing papers and stuff like that? No, no, it's... Not not anymore, we don't. Uh, Then when relationships and bank accounts uh, and opportunities are almost bankrupt, there's still an opportunity for peace. When our faith and the facts don't get along so well, we still need that peace of God. And so I want you to know to this morning is that Paul says to not to not be anxious about anything. Did you hear what he said? Do not be anxious about anything. He said you're dying and going to hell if you're anxious about anything. No, he didn't really say that, but he says you're anxious about anything is not what you should be doing. Let me tell you something that y'all said open the altars, Pastor Scott. I got to come down right now. I'm anxious every day or every second of every minute. Thankfully, he did not say that, uh, because being anxious is not a sin, it's an emotion. And so what is Paul really trying to say here? In fact, if we were to be technical, uh, in the Greek, it really implies, um, it says, basically, don't be ongoing. Uh, It's a a present active tense of the verb, and what it means simply is this. It means to do not be constantly anxious about anything. In fact, uh, Max Lucado said this. I thought, oh, man, that's good. I like that. He says, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. I thought, hmm, that's what Paul meant to say. And Max Lucado wasn't around just yet, but that's what what he meant to say. i got to say that again. That was so good. The presence of anxiety is unavoidable. Amen, right? Am I the only one? But prison, but the prison of anxiety is optional. And so when we look at that, the question is, is how can you and I um, have that type of peace that, that avoids the stress and the fears and the, and the anxieties of life so that we're not held captive in the prison? And, and there's an acronym I want to share with you this morning. It's called CALM, C-A-L-M. And uh, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a Yoda master yet, but I'm working on it, all right? I'm getting there. And uh, I want to share this with you this morning as I practice this myself. Can I just be honest and be real with you is that when I drive, I am not calm. I am not calm. I know, I know none of y'all have no idea what I'm talking about, but I'm telling you, I'm not calm when I drive. Uh, I need to be in control, and people do not let me be in control when I drive. And so I have to remind myself, I'm just C-A-O-M, C-A-O, CAO, Okay, so I'm getting there. It's not a mantra, but I'm just trying to remind myself. And so here they are. It is, first, celebrate God's sovereignty. Ask God for his help. Leave your requests in confidence and meditate on good things. Will you pray with me this morning? Father in heaven, we need you to show us how to become. Because nothing in this world, Lord, teaches me or invites me in to an atmosphere, Lord, that says here is how we are to become. In fact, God, you know the opposite is true. And so, Lord, I need patience and control over my life and my heart, God, but I also need a calmness that comes from you. I need a calmness, God, that that when you walked this earth, Father, and they tried to take you and make you king or take you and kill you, Lord, you had a calmness, God, because you knew that your Father was in control and that he rested in you that he gave you what you needed. As much as you were fully God, you were fully man, you understand the stress and the fear and the anxiety that this life throws at us. And so I pray this morning, oh, Holy Spirit, would you speak to the depth of our heart? Show us how to be calm. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So let's talk about this first one. Celebrate God's sovereignty. This is a great thing to do. I don't know if you studied God's sovereignty before. Typically, when people talk about God's sovereignty, they say, run. We don't want to talk about it because there's this huge split in theology. Some of y'all may have no idea what I'm talking about, but don't worry about that. Just know that God's sovereignty is, is woven all throughout Scripture. In fact, every time you see the saints of old do something illogical because they trusted in God, they were counting on God's sovereignty. They knew he was in control. And, and you and I, we, we, we have a hard time... To do that because when it comes to uh, the reason that we stress or fear or have anxiety and it's heavy on us, it's because we realize that our legs are too short to reach the pedals and our view is too low to see the horizon and that our arms are not strong enough to turn the wheels. We have a problem that we're not as strong and as in control as God is. And so that comes to us in a way. That we realize I can't make it happen and do what I want it to do. Think about the area in your life that you probably are most stressed in. It's probably the area in your life that you're most capable but lack the opportunity to exercise control. When you know you should be doing something, it's like when you're at work and the boss gives you something to do and you know you have the ability to do it but then takes the responsibility away from you or takes the opportunity away from you. You struggle because you think, oh, I can do that. I can do that. And you see your coworker fail and he especially He pulled his hair out. And you're like give it to me give it to me give it to and and that never happens and so you begin to stress because you know you can make that happen but it's not in your ability or or your opportunity to make that happen I know none of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about especially if you work for FedEx I know you're struggling I know you're struggling control is a major factor in the promise of peace I said if you're working for FedEx that's like half the congregation in here today Control is a major factor in the promise of peace. But control is nothing more than us trying to grasp at certainty. And the only certain thing about certainty is, is uncertainty. We don't know. You can't guarantee it. And so instead, we should trust God. Look at, look at Paul's view uh, of God's sovereignty. This is how he reminds himself. He says in Romans 8, 28, And we know that for those who love God, all things work uh, together for good. And for those who are called according to his purpose— Remember we said that with God's plans a couple weeks ago, that God's plans, God's purposes, God's providence, and God's promises are immutable. It means that they cannot be changed. God does not change. He does not, he does not think twice. He, he has set in stone these things. And when Paul wrote this particular passage in Romans 8, 28, when he said all things work together for good, you have to know that he had been through what life had to throw at him. In fact, if you look at 2 Corinthians eleven twenty five, 25, he, he wrote this um, uh, before. And so we see this uh, 11 verse 25. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, danger, Will Robinson, danger in toil and hardship. Through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me, on my anxiety for all the churches. And that's what is on Paul's heart and life. And still yet he says, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. How How can Paul believe that? How can he put himself there? But easy, he trusts in the sovereignty of God. He knows God's in control. And he doesn't have to worry about making things happen because Paul knows, I know I'm not in control, but I'm I'm submitted under the person who is in control of it all. And so I don't have to worry. I just have to do what he has assigned me to do. And if I can just do what he's assigned me to do, I can not fret anymore. Man, that's a huge place to be. And so Paul is here, and and he's writing this scripture. Can I tell you that we we want to be in control because it brings us a, a, a pseudo peace. In World War II, uh, fighter pilots were dying. One out of every two fighter pilots were dying. One out of every two, and and yet they had the happiest disposition towards their assignments. What what is what does that mean? That means that they love being in the air with a vantage point that they could see everything with the control stick in their hand. No doubt about it. Control makes us happy, right? Until we break the very thing we're trying to control. But on the ground, the combatants had the highest forms of PTSD. And they were nowhere near dying at one out of every two so what's the difference in that? Is that these people on the ground, they didn't know what they were going to die from. They couldn't control the elements. They had the weather. And then they had the foxhole issues. And they had, they had diseases and all these other things coming at them. They had no idea of what might come at them. And anxiety, as I read before, anxiety is a, is a, meteor, uh, a meteor shower of the what ifs. What if this? What if that? What if that? What if I don't get this? What if I don't have this? And we, 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 we drowned in the what ifs. And these fighter pilots said, even if I die at least I was in control. Did you know that traffic jams are uh, the the most probable place for you to have a heart attack? That's scary. Um, But German researchers show that you can have a heart attack three times greater sitting in a traffic jam than any other place in life. That's because you're not in control. And we want to have control. I know that was... Definitely speaking to me, because I oftentimes sit white-knuckled with my teeth clenched and my chest heavy, you know, uh, at the stoplight, knowing that this guy's going to take five years to get off the line. Um, But it's okay, because I'm a work in progress, y'all. I'm good with it. You can talk about your pastor. Y'all might even characterize my vehicle. When you you used to go down the road, you say, that's Pastor Scott right there. Look at it. He's gone. It's because I'm, I'm struggling for control. Pray for me, all right? Pray for me. Uzziah was the king when when Isaiah, I'm sorry, uh, when when Isaiah had uh, had a, a vision with God. Uzziah had just died in Isaiah 6, and uh, King Uzziah was a great king, and 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 now he was off of the throne. Isaiah was worried. He was anxious. He was stressed about what was going to happen to the kingdom because King Uzziah was a great king and he had brought peace for many, many years. And now the king was gone. And, and so Isaiah is like, who is going to be the person who speaks to the people of Israel? Who is going to prophesy to the people so that they would, would know where to go and what to do and know peace again? And, and so he's worried about this because he's, he's, telling that, he's telling heaven, Lord, look, the throne is, is, is unoccupied. And so he has this vision, and and God simply says, I don't know why you're worried. Just because the world's throne is unoccupied doesn't mean heaven's throne is unoccupied. And sometimes even in our life, we forget... That even though evil kings may sit in thrones here on earth, there is a king of kings that sits on a throne in heaven. We ought not ever be worried. He is entirely in control. If he wants to, he will. He will. I love the fact that I can trust in his sovereignty. The second thing is we need to ask for God's help. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, there's different ways we can go to God in prayer, but let me just kind of um, hone in on the specificity of prayer. Say that with me, specificity. Yeah, just so you don't judge me so fast, all right? <laughs> Specific prayer is serious prayer. Let me give you an example. If I say, hey, let's go out and have some dinner, uh, and you're like, that'd be great. Let's, let's go do that one time. We've all said that before, and then we left it at that, Right? No no specifics. No when, no what, no whatever. Uh, was, the, was the request sincere? Yeah, absolutely. But was it serious? Mm. A serious request might be like this. Hey, why don't you meet me at the restaurant uh, Friday night at 7 o'clock? We'll be done by 8.30. You good? That's a serious prayer because there's some specifics in it. And when you and I go to God in prayer, are you praying specifically? You're probably not praying specifically because you don't want to be disappointed. But, but should we pray specifically? Look at what Scripture says here. Genesis 24, 12 through 14, we see a pattern here. And it says, and he said, this is Abraham's servant praying about a spouse for Isaac. It says, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water. And the daughters of men of the city are coming out to draw. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink. And who shall say, drink, and I will water your camels? Let her be the one. Hmm. I wish we could go find spouses that way. You know what I mean? Lord, if she will pump my gas and her gas and say, do you want a Dr. Pepper? Then let her be the one, Lord. Lord. You weak people, all right? We gotta get our faith better, man. I read that, I thought, I just I'm a loser, Lord. I should pray better. And then in Joshua chapter 10, verse 12 says this at that time Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, What makes a man stand up and say, Son, stand still at Gibeon and moon in the valley. Of a Halon. What what in the world? How does a man say, Lord, I need the sun to stand still. I got some people to murder. (laughs) It blows me away at the audacity that people in scripture prayed as if he heard, as if he would respond, as if he would do exactly what they asked him to do. Do they not know he is a sovereign God and does not care for what they have to say? Does he not know he has his own ag- his own agenda, his own plan, his own will? How dare they ask God to do exactly what they would have him do? Man. I like, think where's my faith at, Lord? Where's my faith? You no, know, we 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 don't pray those prayers. We pray more abstract, vague, generalized prayers because, you know. We're scared that if we pray specifically, we risk disappointment. We we, we don't want the Lord to disappoint us. But can I tell you that if we pray specific prayers, we eliminate the doubt and the vague ideas of outcome. And that's what anxiety and stress and fear thrive in. They thrive in vague, formless spheres of expectation. I'm praying you will, God, however you want to. (sighs) Ah. And then we, (laughs) what will he do, you know? But man, what if you said, God, I need you specifically to soften her heart when I show up for the meeting tomorrow at 2 o'clock because I've got some insecurities and she intimidates me. And every time I talk to her about anything, she always brings up some issues I did a long time ago before the boss. And I need to have a productive meeting with her in front of the team tomorrow. And so I need you to give me peace when I sleep today so my emotional capacity is large. Would you soften her heart and increase my generosity so it can be a great meeting tomorrow? Rather than say, Lord, would you bless my meeting tomorrow? Because when I pray specifically... I get to see what God is going to do. It's nothing better than when you ask God specifically and everything he does line by line by line by line, you're just checking, you're like, oh, my goodness, he heard every word I said. Of course he did. I just wonder sometimes if, if, if the heart of a father is just saying, just ask me. Just ask me. But, Pastor Scott, what if he doesn't do that? What happens if he doesn't answer you don't know the way I, I, I told him to. But well, you know what? I don't know about you, but I know my kids and me growing up. I asked my mom things specifically Mom, I need this. My mom, like, that's great. Get a job. You know what I mean? Then you can have da-da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> you, know, you know, truth was, I got a job and I got exactly what I wanted. It just wasn't what I wanted. You know, it wasn't the way I wanted it to happen. But you know what? That did not keep me from coming back to my mom the next time and say, Okay, Mom. I need this, you know, seeing how now I got a job. I need da 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 da, you know. And so we never, as kids, really worry about asking our mom and our dads things because we trust that, that they might know a better way, but they also might do exactly that's, that's what a Christmas list is, right? Oh, Lord, please, you know, I hope my mom and dad, isn't my young in here? I don't want to mess people's stuff up, but, you know, uh, you know, that mom and dad might bring to me what I'm asking for, you know? And we hope that might be true, but if they don't, we still trust them. We can still trust the Lord, even if he doesn't answer you the way that you desire him to, specifically the way that you've asked him to, you can still trust him the next time too. But it may be that if you ask him specifically, that he'll show you, I heard everything you said. And my heart is where you are at. You never know. The third thing is, is that you leave your request in confidence. Leave your request in confidence. This is a difficult one because we have this fear, and, and fear kind of helps us grip and understand where we need to be. Um, and so we lack confidence because fear keeps us sharp. It keeps us real, right? And that's, that's the word we interchange a lot. A lot of us will wanna say, we'll just say, well, I just want to be real about this. What we're really saying is, is that I'm just afraid. <laughs> if I'm being honest with you, I'm just afraid. I'm afraid this might happen. I'm afraid this will happen over here. And this stresses me more than I And so I'm going to step back and just, be, and just say this instead, um, uh, that I fear this. Uh, and so confidence in God helps our fear in ourselves. You need to have confidence in him. And, and how do we deal with uh, confidence, or the lack of confidence? You should know that you can have confidence because the Lord is near. He's near. Look at Psalms 118.6. It says this. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? That's, that's King David who is an, adultery, an adulterous uh, man-killing lying king who says what can man do to me? Well, he should do a lot because you deserve a whole lot. But no, he says instead the Lord is on my side. I will not fear there is a confidence that when god when you know god is on your side that despite what you did or what you're struggling with you know that you need not fear philippians 4 5 echoes this paul says the same thing he says let your reasonableness be known to everyone for the lord is at hand which means the lord is within reach why do you have confidence well because the lord is within reach The Lord's within reach. Do you know when they took the Ark of the Testament, Ark of the Covenant out to the battlefield, they would oftentimes lose the battle. But when they saw the Ark of the Covenant come on the battlefield, they go, The Lord is near. Get you some. You know what I mean? Like I'm I mean, you got housewives over there just, you know, knocking people down left and right. Why? Because they believe the Lord is near. I'm about to beat some folks with my broomstick in here. And so that's the confidence that you and I should have. That the Lord is near. Why are you afraid? Why are you shrinking back? The Lord is near. The only thing you should be afraid of, if he's not on your side. But if he's not on your side, then rectify that. Ask God to forgive you. Make your situation great before him. But no, but no, but no. There is no fear that you should have. He is on your side. The Lord is near. David says, the Lord is my light and my salvation Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When Abraham was, I'm sorry, when Abram was anxious about his future, God says to this, after the things that the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision and said, fear not, in other words, have confidence, Abram. I am your shield, your Great. Uh, you're a very great reward. Uh, and, and when he talked to Hagar, Hagar was being put out by Abraham and Sarah. And she says, I don't know what to do with my son's life. What should I do? How can I provide for him? Well, an angel of the Lord came to her and said, And God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not. Or have confidence, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. When Joshua was anxious about leaving a whole country because Moses had passed away, God said, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Have confidence and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Or Paul might say, the Lord is near. The Lord is near to you. The Lord is near to you. Even when you don't feel like he's near, he's near to you. Thank thank God that he's not near because we feel it. Thankfully, he doesn't draw close to us because he knows we, we feel him near. I'm thankful that even when I'm so fearful of what's happening around me, the Lord is near to me. He's not to me. And the last thing as the band comes back is this. It's to meditate on good things. or to celebrate God's sovereignty. Or to ask God for his help. or to leave our requests in confidence. But then we're to meditate on good things. Meditate on good things. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And when, when, when Paul says this in Philippians 4 8, he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things, right? We said a couple weeks ago that's called chewing the cud. Have y'all been chewing the cud? You live in Harrison, Arkansas, you should be reminded often. (laughs) Chew the cud. Chew the cud. And we know that peaceful cows are happy cows, and happy cows are cows that chew the cud often and constantly. But it's not just enough for us to chew the cud in God's word, but we are also to inspect the cud. Paul says, don't just meditate on anything. Whatever comes into your mind matters. It needs to go through a filter. Listen, in this world, there is so much that is trying to infiltrate our minds, our ears, our eyes, every, every aspect, whether we want those things or not. There is constantly uh, some, tor- some sort of media or influence, some sort of joke or conversation trying to get in here. And Paul is telling us that if we're going to meditate, we need to inspect what we're meditating on. And that's why he says, use the filter of Philippians 4.8. Make sure that whatever you meditate on is true and honorable, just and pure and lovely, commendable, excellent, and worthy of praise. There's not many things, if there's anything in this world, that runs through that filter. None of those things that, uh, the only thing that passes those fil- that filter is things that edify you. So maybe what Paul is saying is, is that if you want to have peace and you want to practice calmness, you need to meditate on things that will edify you and not things that take away from you. So we just recap. We'll be done. He says to celebrate God's sovereignty, ask God for his help. Leave your requests in confidence and meditate on good things. And then if we do these things, if we can practice being calm, you and I can experience peace regardless of our predicament. I want to close with a story I I found about being calm. I thought it was incredible. You probably remember December the 7th, 1941, right? Is that Pearl Harbor? Y'all know that, right? Uh, And you probably remember September the 11th, 2001. We call that 9-11. But do you know of October the 27th, 1962? it's the most important day in human history human history it was on that day that four russian subs during the cold war were on their way over to cuba they had been traveling uh, in a secret mission they carried four nuclear warheads all of them with the capacity of a hiroshima type of damage and impact and they're on a secret mission to go to Cuba, and they're in a hurry, and so they surface, and as they're going three weeks uh, into a journey, they're flying out in the open surface of the water, which is not what you're supposed to be doing, and they run into a a hurricane, Hurricane Daisy, and as they are going through this hurricane, it's 50-foot waves, you know, up and down, up and down, and, and they're sick, and then they're Their submarines are built for Arctic water, not tropical water. And so the submarines that they're living in uh, is is about 120 degrees on average. And so can you imagine hitting these waves and being claustrophobic and then having this, this 120 degrees of just weather? That's just not a place that Brandon wants to be. And they finally get down to Cuba and then their orders have been changed. They're supposed to go to the coastline of Florida do you know what happens when you take four nuclear subs from Russia during the Cold War and you send them to the coastline of Florida? You have anxiety. That's what you have. That's what happens. And so they're moving up to the coastline of Florida and the U.S. Navy intercepts them and as they intercept them, they begin to drop depth charges on them and it forces them to surface. And as they all force surface up, they realize they're about to be attacked because the Navy has encircled them. And the captain of the fleet says, we will not die in disgrace. And we will not disgrace the Navy of Russia. Fire away. Whew. Can you imagine the aftermath of four nuclear warheads hitting America? America. That would have been World War III. That would have ensued right on top of that. We would have never forgotten that day. But that was a day that Vasily Arkhipov, it's a Russian name, Vasily stepped out, 36-year-old guy, and said, "Um, Captain, a word, please. (laughs) He brought him to the side and he said, you know, perhaps firing on America is not the best thing to do right now. Perhaps that will lead us to. Um, elude them and get away and get back to Russia. And, uh, maybe we shouldn't fire on them, but well, the captain was not happy with that. It took a little while, but eventually, the silly talked the captain down, and they didn't fire those nukes, which were fully in range and they were at the surface. They would have, they would have, they would have hit their destination. But a 36-year-old man realized the situation and maintained calmness. I thought, wow, what it's like to to be calm in a situation. You and I, our lives would have been forever changed if it had not been for a man who would have been calm in that day. And so I asked myself, Scott, what if there are people around you and there are nuclear warheads below the surface of their life that you don't even know about? when you're driving you're you're not so calm you know when you're talking with people when you're impatient you know are you triggering people And, and then you wonder why your world's not at peace probably because we're so quick to launch warheads into the air But you and I, we're the people of God, and we're supposed to demonstrate peace. We're supposed to demonstrate calm, not because the world has given it to us, but our peace comes from God. And so this morning, what I'm asking you this morning is simply this, is do you have that kind of calm in your life? Because you can if you celebrate the sovereignty of God, if you can ask him for his help and be specific in your prayer. If you can leave your request in confidence, knowing that he will do all that he desires and said he will do. And if we meditate on his word and remind us of his faithfulness and remind us of the things that help us to think in long and in line with the will of God. So that when we do ask, we're asking according to the will of God and not our own. My question is, are you calm? Are you calm? This morning? I'm going to pray for you because I know the holidays are coming right around the corner and that's the time we tend not to be calm. And so as we leave out of here this morning, I just I want you just to ask the Lord to show you, Lord, where am I not calm at? Where am I not celebrating your sovereignty? Where am I not asking specifically? And if you already have asked, ask again. Where am I not leaving it in confidence and where am I not meditating on your, your word? Show me how to be calm. Father in heaven, I need you in my life. You see all the situations that the enemy has already went ahead and set up for me, God. He's trying to trap me, Lord. He does that, Father, to all of us. He knows our weakness, God. He studies them every day. He knows, God, the plans that work against man. He knows, God, our weaknesses, God. And here he is, God, with his nuclear warheads, God, below the surface praying that let it be said of your people that we possess the calmness of God, that we possess the peace of God, that we can walk into a situation, whether it be a family situation or a situation at work or a friend situation, whatever it might be, and that, Lord, we will exude a calmness that speaks of a risen Lord, that says that you're in control and you're overall. And that you're not in worry or fret, and we may not be either. Lord, I pray that you instill within us that very thing. Lord, we love you and we ask that you would help us as we throw ourselves on the cross. We realize, God, we have weaknesses and shortcomings. Forgive us when we don't trust you, forgive us when we don't ask specifically, and you desire to answer specifically. Forgive us, Lord, when we don't act in confidence, but we act in fear. Forgive us, God, when we allow things into our mind that are not conducive of your word. Forgive us of those things. Forgive us, most importantly, God, for not walking and being you in this world that is so desperate for you. Help us to have peace and help us to be calm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me this this morning? We're going to sing a song. I just want to worship God on our way out. And as we sing, would you just ask the Lord, Lord, fill me with your peace this morning. I got six days to go until I get back here, and I need every bit of you that I can get. Would you worship this morning?